Uh, but as we come to that, let's pray. Our Lord, our Heavenly Father, uh, we come to your word today. Uh, your word is truth. It opens our eyes to, uh, to see. It is food for our soul. It is a knowledge that brings life. It is your word. It is holy and perfect and true. We ask, Lord, that you would be at work in us today, that you would bless us, that we would understand and that we would believe. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so today we're continuing our series in, uh, in 1 Samuel. Um, just a brief summary of what happened in chapter 1. Uh, Hannah uh, was the wife of a man and she was childless, she was barren. Uh, and she was uh, troubled greatly by that because uh, her husband had a second wife and she had plenty of children and she would uh, mock her and cause her great grief. Uh, Hannah, who was a faithful woman, uh, prayed to the Lord for help and relief uh, from her pain and the Lord answered her prayer. And she gave birth to a child called Samuel and she dedicated him uh, to the Lord for his whole life. Uh, we then begin at chapter 2. And then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keeping, keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry, hunger no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honour. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from the heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. Uh, this passage is sometimes called uh, Hannah's Song. Uh, it is... Uh, poetic in, in the Hebrew, uh, and it could be sung. And certainly the occasion warranted it. 
It sprung from the praise Hannah offered when she remembered before the people what the Lord had done for her. She was barren and childless, and yet the Lord answered her prayer and she gave birth to Samuel. But while her praise stems from what the Lord did for her, it reaches far beyond that. It extends to praise for the Lord and all that he does. Because she understood who the Lord is and his power and his deeds, she declares these truths, that the Lord will bring judgment and the prideful and arrogant will fall, that the humble faithful will be guarded and protected and rewarded. It is a message of good news amid very dark days. Uh, The book of Samuel begins in the time of the judges, and it was a time where there was no king in Israel. Uh, They had rejected God as their king, and so every man did what they thought was right in their own eyes. And the problem with that is that when you take God out of the moral equation and you reject his word and his way and you fail to submit to him, then society declines morally. And this was the case in the time of the judges. And because it was so, God would bring judgment upon Israel and they would face attack from their enemies and they would lose. Sometimes they would lose territory, sometimes they would fall under the rule of other nations. But amazingly, during this time, whenever they turned to the Lord and cried out to him, the Lord would not ignore them. Uh, but he would raise up among them a judge, someone who would bring them back to himself and teach them his ways. And then the Lord once more would show them favour and they would prevail against their enemies. At the time Hannah was singing her song, Israel was in a period of deep moral decline. But with the birth of Samuel, there was hope. Hope, because clearly the Lord was at work again and in time Samuel would become the next judge. He would be a prophet who would lead Israel back to the Lord. Hannah herself had, in a very personal way, experienced the rejection of the Lord herself. She, for a long time, was barren and childless and that is a mark of the Lord's curse upon the land and upon its people. Her husband's other wife would ridicule her and bring her great grief because of that. But then the Lord granted Hannah's prayer and she bore a child. Her shame was taken away and God's favour was once more upon her. Samuel chapter 2 begins, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. She's speaking from personal experience. She rejoices in the Lord who has once more shown favour to her. And she knows especially that it is the Lord who has specifically brought her back from her shame. She knows it is the Lord who has been at work, and so she directs her praise to him. Now, it's important to see here that whenever Hannah says Lord in the Hebrew, it is actually the name of the Lord. It's not just the generic name for Lord. 
Uh, in a lot of your Bibles, it will actually mark that in all capitals so that you know that is the name of the Lord. Now, Hannah uses his name because she knows it. She uses it because she has no fear of calling upon him by his name. And so by using that name, she declares that she knows him, that she trusts him, and that she doesn't fear that her sins actually stand between her and God. She is confident to call on him directly. Uh, she is a faithful woman who knows God's forgiveness and grace. And it's not just since uh, she has had this child that she feels that way. It's the same way she was praying before when she was barren. She would call upon the name of the Lord. But now she is thankful to the Lord because the Lord has changed her life. She says, he has lifted up my horn. Uh, the horn in Old Testament imagery ref refers to strength or honour. And for Hannah, it surely refers to the shift from her barren, cursed state to being a fruitful mother who has been blessed by the Lord. Her barrenness brought her grief and sorrow, but that is gone. And so she's rejoicing. She's delighting in what the Lord has done for her and is able to boast now of it in the presence of her enemies. She isn't boasting about herself, saying, I have brought about this child, I am so good. She's boasting about what the Lord has done for her. And so those who brought her down before, those who rejected and demeaned her, uh, to them she can boast of the Lord's blessing in her life. And this is an occasion of praise for what the Lord has done for Hannah. But in the rest of her song, she speaks of things well beyond the scope of what the Lord has done for her alone. Because she sees what the Lord has done here is just a taste of what he actually does in the whole world. And she says, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. There truly is no one like the Lord. The Lord is holy, he is separate, he is totally different from mankind, not only in nature, but in goodness and in perfection. Mankind is sinful and constantly wanders away from doing what is right, but the Lord is perfect. There is no one like the Lord in strength, there is no one like the Lord in might, there is no one like the Lord in sovereignty or power, there is no one like the Lord in love in faithfulness, in grace, in patience, or in mercy. She says there is no rock like our God. A rock can mean many things, but mostly is a place of strength, a place of safety. The Lord is the rock we hide behind in times of danger. The Lord is the rock on whom we stand when all other ground is sinking sand. He is where we find refuge and safety. And there is no one and nothing better for refuge and safety than the Lord. There is no rock like our God. Now this you need to understand for yourself. 
What makes you feel safe? Where do you go to feel safe? Do you feel safety in the, in, in the house that you sleep in at night? Do you feel safety in, in the nest egg that you have made for your retirement? Is it your own strength? Do you feel safe because you were strong and capable? Do you feel safe because you were smart, because you're intelligent, and you are in control? And you can always find a way out. What makes you feel safe? Anna says, there is no rock like our God. All of the other things in the world that we could place our trust in are never as secure as placing our trust in the Lord himself. Uh, wealth, power, strength, knowledge, even just control over our circumstances, all these things are nothing compared to knowing the Lord and having your trust in him. There is no rock like our God. Hannah says, do not keep talking so proudly or, or let your mouth speak such arrogance. Where does pride and arrogance come from? It comes from self-assurance. It comes from self-reliance. It, it comes from trusting in other things, really. It comes from believing that our circumstances cannot change. The richest people in the world are, are, are arrogant when they believe that their wealth assures them of being able to defeat any circumstance that might come against them. The strongest people are, are arrogant when they believe that they will never lose a fight, that their strength would always remain with them. The smartest people in the world are prideful and arrogant when they believe that their mind will allow them to conquer any circumstance that might come their way and allow them to maintain control over their own life. Pride and arrogance comes from trusting in things other than the Lord. Because before the Lord, we can't be prideful. We can't be arrogant. We have no cause to be. There are two reasons that Hannah gives. Firstly, we are imperfect sinners before a holy and perfect God who knows everything. And the second thing is that God really controls all of the factors. He can turn things upside down in a moment and everything that might give you cause for pride can simply be taken away from you. Before the Lord, we, we cannot be prideful or arrogant. And it says, For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. The Lord knows all things. He knows everything. And he cares about how you live your life. The Lord sees all you do and he knows all your thoughts. How would you like it if your most inner thoughts were written down and published? Or if your worst deeds were, were thrown into the newspapers? Now, we've seen that played out in the news recently. Private conversations of the royal family have been brought into the public sphere. Imperfections and sins have been exposed before the whole world. 
And what if your worst words were brought to be known by the world? We all have things that we're ashamed about, or things we've said, things we've done, inner thoughts that we should never have had, should certainly never see the light of day. But here's the thing. The Lord is a God who knows. All your thoughts and deeds are laid out before the Lord. You are an open book. And he has read every word. And then by him, deeds are weighed. They are assessed, they are judged. And if you are honest with yourself, you will know that you have fallen short, that you have failed, that you have sinned. And that is reason enough right there not to be prideful or arrogant. Because we all fall short of what God requires of us. Before the Lord, we cannot be prideful or arrogant. We are sinners, every single one of us. Before the Lord, we deserve judgment. Instead of being prideful and arrogant, we must have humility. We must seek his grace and his mercy. And not only is our morality compromised, but the things that might have led us to be prideful and arrogant are not beyond the Lord's reach to remove. And it says in verse 4, the bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food. But those who were hungry, hunger no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and he has them inherit a throne of honour. The things that you might take pride in can so easily be reversed. Those once empowered can lose that power. The bows can be broken. Those who have plenty can suddenly find themselves in want and having to hire themselves out just to get the necessities of life. The Lord can make it so. The Lord is a God who can reverse things. The prideful and arrogant can be humbled and humiliated. All the things that they trust in can be taken away in a moment. The Lord can make it so. So you cannot take pride in your accomplishments, your wealth or your strength, your intelligence or wit, not in anything. All of those things can at some point in your life be, just be taken away. Those who take pride in such things will one day find them all gone and then what will be left? What the Lord has given, the Lord can take away. 
But where the Lord can take away, the Lord can give too. He can make the poor rich. He can make the weak strong. He can make the childless have children. There are no limits. Hannah says in verse 6 that even where God can bring death, God can bring life. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. There is nothing that God cannot do. It is all in his hands. Even if you die, the Lord can bring you back to life. And the Lord can do all of these things. Because as Hannah says at the end of verse 8, the foundations of the earth are the Lord's upon them. He has set the world. He is the creator. He made everything. He made the world, the universe. He set the stars in their place. He set the rules for everything from the motion of the planets down to the workings of atoms and molecules. He formed us from the dust of the earth with his own hands and he breathed life into us. He formed us in our mother's wombs. And he sees the heart and mind and can direct it and change it. All things are in his power because all things are his and his creation. He created it all from nothing. And because he made it all, he owns it all. The earth, indeed the entire universe, is his to do with as he desires. And we, as independent as we think we are, we are his to do with as he desires. Therefore, his power is absolute. His ability to control events is absolute. His ability to control the circumstances of your life is perfect and complete. There is nothing beyond him. And so he can bring judgment and death upon those he wants to bring judgment and death upon. And he can give joy and life to those he chooses. Before the Lord, we have Uh, Nothing uh, to give us pride. If we have strength or wealth or intelligence, it is only by his hand. And he has the power and the right to change things. And we are powerless before him. We are sinners before a God who cares about how we live our lives and God has the power to bring judgment upon all He can bring joy and life to those who are in his favour and he can condemn those who are not. So all cause for pride and arrogance disappears before the Lord. Instead, we should seek his mercy and his grace in all humility. Now, Hannah declares all of these things because they're true. But they are not always obviously evident. The facts can't be denied. Our Lord God is the creator and he can bring judgment and blessing. We know that. That's why we pray to him. That's why we ask him for things. That's why we seek him out. And we know that the Lord weighs our actions. He assesses our lives. But all of these things aren't evident day to day because the Lord's judgment is often delayed. He bears up with the wicked 
He gives us time to repent. He gives us time to humble ourselves before him, to recognise our sins and to seek him out for forgiveness and mercy. But while he bears up with us through these times, there are going to be wicked who are wealthy and powerful and strong and arrogant and prideful and who still reject God and his ways. In Israel at the time, there were many unfaithful, arrogant, prideful people and and yet the Lord had not brought judgment upon them yet. And if you look around, you will see it's still the case today. Those in power in this world are rarely faithful. Those who are wealthy are rarely faithful. There is pride and arrogance everywhere because people either don't care about God at all and simply do what is right in their own eyes or foolishly, they think that God is on their side because they seem to be doing so well. Sometimes for the faithful, this is a very painful world to be a part of. There are often people around us that we see that seem to be blessed by the Lord far more than ourselves, and we are mocked and ridiculed for our beliefs. We some people are denied work because of their faith in Christ and as you look around the world, things only get worse. But that will not always be the case. A day is coming when all that will change. Hannah says from verse 9, He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He, he will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. Hannah says judgment is coming. The Lord will guard his people, his faithful, holy, righteous people, but the wicked will be silenced and cast into the darkness. In the end, the Lord will judge. Now, some of the Lord's judgment may come in this life and blessed are many who feel God's wrath in this life when it brings them to repentance. But the ultimate judgment will come when we have died or when Christ comes again. And, and, and by that time, you will either stand with Jesus, with the faithful, or you will be condemned to darkness because of your sins. It isn't by your strength that you will be able to stand. If you intend to stand before God on your own merits or your own achievements, you're going to fail. You will be condemned. And those who have the temerity to oppose the Lord will be shattered if you stand against the Lord, you will fail. As Satan and all those who oppose God will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. All those of the world who fail to acknowledge the Lord and turn to him will be shattered. The Lord will thunder against them from heaven and the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. There will be no escape. But those who stand with the Lord will be kept safe. There is no rock like our God.
Uh, Hannah finishes with some prophetic words. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now, Hannah is talking about how God will accomplish this. Along with the words that describe the judgment of the Lord and the protection of the faithful comes these, these words about a king. A king who for Hannah doesn't even exist yet. A king that was hoped for in a land where there was no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. For Hannah, this is a king that will lead the people back to the Lord. A king who will lead them to take refuge in the Lord instead of their own strength. A king who would be a saviour for the Lord's people. And the king is not just any king. He will be his king, the Lord's king. And the Lord will exalt the strength and honour of this king. Who is this king? Hannah calls this king the anointed one. And in Hebrew, it is the word Messiah. And perhaps this is the first time that the word Messiah would be associated with kingship. Her words speak of the future. They speak of one hoped for. And those hopes would be kind of partly answered in Samuel, her son. Those hopes would again be partly answered with King David. But ultimately, those hopes will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The King is Jesus Christ. And he would be the means by which the Lord brought all these things about. And he has been exalted. He has been honoured. He has been given the name that is above all names. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father and all things have been given into his hands. The power to bring judgment, the power to bring down the prideful and the power to raise up the humble. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead and those who find favour in him will enter into eternal life. And those who do not find favour with him will be cast out into the outer darkness where Jesus says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hannah's praise of the Lord is prophetic, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ who would come over a thousand years later. But what she says is instructive too. She tells us there is no rock like our God. We should be setting aside our own pride and stop trusting in ourselves and our own strength because we are sinners in need of mercy. Turn from your sins and seek the Lord with humility. Seek him because you need his mercy, you need his forgiveness, you need his favour. For a day is coming when the Lord will weigh your deeds and bring judgment. And only those who stand with Jesus Christ the King will be saved. Amen. Let's pray. (coughs) Uh, Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, 
who brings us forgiveness, who brings us life. Lord, we do confess that we can be prideful and arrogant. We can take pride in our accomplishments, in our knowledge, in the things that we possess. Uh, We can feel that our place in life is unassailable and But the truth is, Lord, that we need you every day of our lives. We need you every moment. We need you merely just to sustain our lives, our breath. But we need you most of all, Lord, because we need your forgiveness and mercy. Lord, we thank you for all that we have in Jesus Christ, our King. And we pray, Lord, that we would grow in our trust of you, not just for our salvation, but for all things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.